And welcome back to the program that we call a podcast about New York sports, everyone. Uh, a lot has happened since the last time that we spoke to you. Uh, the Giants get their guy in Daniel Jones. We'll go over that. Unfortunately, Saquon Barkley gets the tag. And there's been a lot, a lot of Aaron Rodgers progress since our last show. Uh, we want to touch on the Knicks. We're not going to harp too much on the loss from last night because this is a team that has just looked, they've looked amazing. They've looked brilliant. They, they're winners of nine in a row, two of them coming against the Boston Celtics. So th- there's a lot going on and, and not to mention baseball and the swing of things. So I want to welcome in Sam. What's going on, everyone? What's going on? Not much, honestly. Uh, I think you kind of hit on it. Uh, you know, we'll get to the Knicks in long form in a little bit, but uh, really disappointing loss last night. A uh, game where a verbatim text that I sent yesterday at halftime was the Knicks look like the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> they were just and, spent. They, they definitely tired themselves out. I think that they kind of got on their high horse a little bit. We'll get to them, but I think the quarterback news uh, is definitely the definitely in the front of the of our uh, our list today because look Giants uh, you said got their guy um, they've had their guy but you know I think that locking guy up is definitely something that is a step forward obviously towards uh, getting to I guess the the idea of what this organization sees and uh, you know I think clearly a couple things we learned from yesterday is the Giants believe in Daniel Jones. Uh, I think the contract is four for 160 with 35 million in incentives. It, was it exactly something to that extent? But um, they they locked down their quarterback, the most important position on the field, uh, indisputed. And then, unfortunately, the short end of the stick, Saquon Barkley ends up with the franchise tag. And uh, I haven't really seen any reports today about you know anything he said regarding that. But um, I think there's only been like I saw a stat that said only. Since the franchise tag has been brought about, I think that there's only like three running backs who have gotten the franchise tag that eventually or eventually signed a contract with the team uh, or something to that extent. I'll, I'll dig that up and I'll post it on the page for for verbatim. But uh, yeah, I think if you're a Giant fan, you lock down your backfield for at least the next year and then you lock down your quarterback for the next four years. So um, definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, listen, we're going to talk about Daniel Jones and I'm going to, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate. So you don't kill me. Giant fans don't kill me, but, uh, there, there's two sides of the coin here. I'll, I'll start with the positives. Um, you locked up your guy. If you would have tagged him, which I'm on record saying, I, I think it would have made some sense to tag him. I mean, we're talking about, you know, one year of production here, but if you would have tagged him, it would have counted, uh, 32 million against the cap if he was tagged and now with the deal and listen 40 million dollars per year is a lot of money but uh this season you're you're only dealing with 18 and a half against the cap so so that's that's a win for the giants and that's this is a team that needs to uh to build offensively for sure um i I mean and and also i just want to point out i mean think about a guy like Derek carr what did Derek Carr get per year? 37 and a half, something like that. Something like that. And and he has a track record, you know? I mean, he, he's been a, a good quarterback. I, I don't I don't want to gas Derek Carr up. He's been a good quarterback for several years. So, and I know you're paying Daniel Jones for what you think he's going to be, what you believe he's going to do, but $40 million, it, it, it is a lot of money. It is. Uh, 
I agree. And I'll say this, you know, we can look at this, we can put names. I know you just brought up Derek Carr in relation to Daniel Jones's contract, but uh, I don't even want to compare him to anyone else. I would like, to, I'm looking, or I have been looking at his stats recently and, you know, every year his completion percentage has gone up every year. His interceptions have gone down. Those are two big things that I think the giants probably looked at and said, you know, let's lock this guy in. We let's, let's present to him that we don't have any questions about you anymore. We believe in you. We believe in your talent. And then unlike this year where he was throwing to a bunch of hack shows on the outside, maybe they can go, go use some of that leftover money and get them a weapon, use their draft pick and get them some weapons for Daniel Jones. Bark, like we said, Barkley's are still there. So that's going to be, that's already a, you know, an elite weapon in the entire landscape, of the NFL, not just the giants. But uh, yeah, I think, look, Daniel Jones had 15 touchdowns and five interceptions passing last year, uh, as well as seven rushing touchdowns. So 22 touchdowns total for Daniel Jones. Um, again, again, with a, with lack of a better term, a hack show squad. So you can only imagine what it's going to look like when Daniel Jones is, you know, fully confident, doesn't have to think about, you know, playing for, you can say whatever you want, but in a contract year or in a situation like Daniel Jones is in, it has to be in the back of his mind every week that, you know, I roll my ankle once and miss three weeks. That could be a couple million dollars I lose on my on my uh, paycheck. I'm you know supposed to get later on. Yep. So I think that if you get a, a I guess a clear headed Daniel Jones, clear headed coaching staff, uh, this is definitely the elephant in the room the entire year for the Giants. Kind of a you know yesterday's date was was definitely circled on many calendars in the Giant front office. Uh, but I think now I think it's it's really on the rest of this the coaching staff in the front office to kind of. Now, you know, you got your pieces in place and now it's just all additive. Who are they going to sign? Who are the, who are the, who are they going to draft? What linemen are they going to, are they going to bring in? I, I know the offensive line came into question a little bit last year. Uh, their defense was good for most of the year. I think they have their head coach. I think obviously their glaring, their glaring uh, hole is just their outside weapon. And I think that's only going to bode well for Daniel Jones. So I think if you're a giant fan, yes, 40 million does seem, seem steep. But one thing we know about contracts in many sports is inflation is a real thing. And uh, it's $40 million in a few years is going to be like an average salary for an NFL quarterback. So uh, I think it's any any sort of bad takes regarding the contract is very uh, nearsighted, I'll say. No, I agree. If Daniel Jones does what he's being paid for, what the Giants think he's going to do, I mean, there's a world where this could look like a steal in two, three years. I mean, like we could be living in a world where Trevor Lawrence gets paid 50 million in a couple years. So, uh, like I said, I'm not going to kill the Giants for it. Um, I kind of they they did what they had to do. They they locked up their guy and, and, you know, kudos to him. But I will say if for some reason and I'm a Daniel Jones believer now, too. I know I, I'm coming off like I'm killing the kid. If if he doesn't go out there and perform, like let's say he reverts to Daniel Jones of the past and we're fumbling the ball again. And I mean, he is going to be like, he's going to be public enemy number one in New York. It's going to be like, it's going to be a dumpster fire. Well, I think, again, unlike a contract like an Aaron Judge, obviously a different sport, it's four years, right? So like, Think about, you know, let's say one, this year he goes out and has like a subpar season. I think there will be many questions going into, you know, the next season. And then if he, go, if he does it, I think it's going to take like two consecutive bad years of this four-year deal to be deemed a bad year. You know, if he, if he goes out and even has the same season as he did this year, right, and, you know, brings the Giants to competitive games at the end of the season, uh, you know, winning games he shouldn't win, up and down season, you know, 
if they see some positive signs in this first year, I think that he'll, I think the first year is the most important year is what I'm going to say it is I think, you know, based on whatever he does this year, if he takes a step forward from last year, uh, then I think the Giants will feel much giant fans will feel much better about this contract than Daniel Jones or uh, than some people already might given the $40 million attached to it. Uh, one question I want to ask you, cause I heard this the other day, a little bit kind of, it's definitely related, but a little bit off the beaten path. Uh, we listened to the K show, Michael K show and Don LaGreca said, and him and Peter were in agreement in this. Do you think that Daniel Jones has more of effect on the Giants than Aaron Judge does on the Yankees? Well, how do you take that? I'm not going to let you know my answer just yet, but I just want to hear your side of that. You see, like, it's a tough question because obviously we're talking about a quarterback. Um, maybe just to disagree and maybe just to kind of go again. I, I guess what I would point out is that I think you could have put let's say a Derek Carr, that, that sort of elk on the Giants last year at quarterback. And I think they still go to the playoffs. I think last year's Yankee team, I mean, we kind of forget about it, but that skid that the Yankees hit in the second half, I think if Aaron Judge isn't a Yankee last season, I, I think they might miss the playoffs. So like, listen, we're talking about a quarterback. So it kind of sounds like, you know, obviously he, he you know, he plays a bigger role, but I think when you point to last year, Aaron Judge had a bigger effect on the Yankees than Daniel Jones did on the Giants. So I guess that would be my answer. But again, we're talking about a quarterback. So, all right, I I agree with you for for the record. But I just curious to see your answer because they made it. They were in agreement that Daniel Jones was much more important, or is much more important. Was their exact wording. Uh, is much more important to the Giants' success than judges to the Yankees' success. And, you know, maybe last year was an anomaly for the Yankees. Uh, I think on an everyday, a quarterback is much more valuable than, you know, your right fielder. But uh, when your right fielder is breaking the home run record uh, and carrying your team for almost two months there at the end, uh, I think definitely definitely a, a up for debate. Um, happy yeah. I asked you that. I was actually, I, I, I was actually Judge, biting to ask you. Aaron Judge might be the best player in baseball, and Daniel Jones might be the 18th best quarterback in the NFL, you know? Yeah, that's all, another another good way to put it. Yeah. Um, but, like, so I, I mentioned the I mentioned the wide receivers, and obviously, you know, for as much as much as the Giants uh, – imagine this, because there are real people like this, I'm, I'm sure. There are probably real people that can't stand – Giant fans that can't stand Daniel Jones, can't stand the fact that they drafted Barkley – and hate obviously, like I'd say, ninety nine percent of giant, actually hundred percent of giant fans hated the, the Galladay contract. That their off season is filled with a forty million dollar signing to Daniel Jones, franchise tagging Saquon Barkley, and and getting rid of mercifully the worst contract in NFL history, arguably. Yeah. Uh, so I'm that? I'm sure that there's definitely some giant fans that look at this off season as like this is the end of the world. Yeah, yeah, which is very um, interesting. Good for Kenny Galladay getting that one touchdown right down the stretch there. I you, you, a very, you feel... thirty-six million dollar touchdown. <laughs> yeah, literally. That's that's what it got paid per touchdown. Yeah, thirty-six million dollars <laughs> per touchdown. What an unbelievable deal! <laughs> you 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 kind of you do feel for Saquon here though. I mean, a guy who's been the face of the franchise. You know, a guy who was kind of, he's been your most consistent piece. He's been your best player. Even, you know, when Daniel Jones wasn't performing, he was kind of the guy you would point to, you know, everyone has a 26 Jersey, you know, I mean, it, it just, you hate to see it, but, um, well, you, you said it exactly there. And I think that 
it's been kind of undersung in the whole, I guess, Saquon negotiation aspect of it, where, like, it's much more than on-the-field numbers. I, I don't think Saquon's, you know, he played the whole season healthy this year. He played the whole season very, uh, he was a an, an, uh, great running back this year, a great weapon. Maybe not, you know, uh, all-pro, you know, first-team all-pro, but still an absolute elite weapon in the league. Um, but, you know, if he's just a product of just the, the changing of the game. I, I mean, they have, look at a guy like Debo Samuel, who he's proving, obviously Debo Samuel is a freak, but, you know, you're seeing guys that the elite running backs are also receivers and bark or I, a lot of times primarily receivers where, uh, you know, guys like Ezekiel Elliott, who I think people point to as like the poster boy for this, the whole, I guess, anti running back movement. Uh, you know, it kind of flamed out. He was a true runner out of college, and he had to kind of come in and try and change his game after, uh, after having an unbelievable rookie in second year. I, I just, I think it's just a product of the game changing, and it's unfortunate to see because again, just look at Saquon. He's so talented. He's like you said, the face of the franchise. Every little kid running around MetLife Stadium has a Saquon Barkley jersey. I think there's a lot more that goes into it. And you're right. Uh, he, it sucks to see him get the short end of the stick, but. Look, it's a business. Uh, this is a sport where you're trying to win, and if you're gonna, you know, reside on uh, old theories in this in this NFL, uh, I mean, we ripped the Jets for looking like a prehistoric offense a lot of time. Uh, if you're the Giants, how can you justify being the only team in the NFL to actually pay your running back? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just that's like, not Derrick Henry as the exception. Yeah, but I mean, it's just like imagine like you're or Christian like, McCaffrey. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Imagine you're Saquon. You're like, this is my year to get paid. I got to And you, you stay healthy the whole year. You're the best player on your team the entire season. And mm-hmm. then you get tagged and you're like, oh, man, I got to do it again. I'll tell you that if I had a son who was just a freak, an NFL talent, and I won't for several obvious reasons, <laughs> and he wanted to play running back, I'd say, sorry, you're not doing it. Our listeners might take that statement in many different ways. <laughs> many, many different ways. Yeah. Uh, but... Look, at least I'll say this: if you're if you're the Giants and or if you're a Giant fan, at least your team isn't flying, you know, private charter across the country on a, on a on a second's notice to go meet with a quarterback that, quite frankly, I think has been playing games with them the whole time. As we transition over to the Jets, look, I, I've said this before: you're the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan. I'm obviously going to let you say your piece and, and with the 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 updates we've recently gotten, but. The more I see this, the more it almost seems like destined for the Jets to fall flat in their face. It really does. I I just see this, and it's like, it's almost like I can see Aaron Rodgers like, all right, I guess I'll meet with the Jets today. Like, I'll I'll, I'll hear their piece, and I I know I get the reports that like, you know, they wouldn't the Jets were given permission to talk to him, blah blah blah. But I I think this is just uh kind of Rodgers just just playing the game. I I really do think it's him just playing the game and. Why wouldn't he meet with every team? He's meeting with the Panthers, meeting with the Saints, literally meeting with any any team that wants to give him a call. Is he doing that? Is he? Yeah, he, I, the, I saw reports over the the first couple of pro days that all the you know kind of teams getting together with their scouts at the pro days and saying like, "Did you meet with Rogers? Did you meet with Rogers?" And like, I saw reports saying that many teams that like you didn't think met with Rogers met with Rogers. Okay, i.e. Well. the Saints who signed Darrow who actually ended up getting Carr. The Falcons, I think I heard. Uh, the Panthers most definitely met with him. I, I saw that thoroughly reported. I think he's just doing his due diligence, to be honest. And I think that, you know, with the New York media and the way New York sports it are and have been, I think it's just falling. It's just destined for them to fall flat on their face. And I'll say this. I hope I'm wrong. 
Yeah, well, what what I'll say is I'm more optimistic than you just over the past 48 hours because, you know, and there's obviously a huge part of me that's like, this is Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to come here. Obviously, he's just doing the Aaron Rodgers thing. But I, I think when you lay it all out and you say, I, I think, I truly think Green Bay is, they would rather move on because uh, you drafted Jordan Love with, uh, in the first round. So you have him. He's gone if if you keep Rodgers for two seasons. He's gone. There's no you have no use for him anymore, and you know you, you get rid of the cap hit of Rodgers, all that. I think Green Bay is in is now in a place where they're like it, it's time to move on. Would Rodgers say I'm gonna stay here if he's not wanted? I, I don't think so. And I think when you talk about those other teams, the Panthers, the Jets are the best fit. And just, I think, desperation plays a a part here. I mean, you didn't get Derek Carr. I don't know how hard they pushed for Derek Carr. This is kind of your last resort. The Jets need Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, they have the compensation. And if you you believe reports, I mean, just the fact that he was granted permission to speak with the Jets means that they probably agreed to compensation, um, you know, at at least to some degree. I, I, I think this is becoming sort of a reality I, I don't I'm not as pessimistic as you I think this is I think this is like 50 50 maybe 60 40 that that he winds up a jet but don't have you seen like in the past like all right well let me let me sorry let me backtrack what if obviously he met with the Jets and we saw the whole the the whole jet crew flew out to California to meet with him what if you see another team do the same thing how will you feel about that like what if today we get off this and you see, oh, this the Panthers are flying to California to meet with Aaron Rodgers. Would you feel the way I feel then? No, but in what world would would he go to the Panthers over the Jets? And I think uh, that I, at, at his, you know, at his just stage, an example, just an example. Sure, but but that's what I'm saying is I, I can't think of another team that has a better well, Vegas. chance. Right, but I mean, and uh, I forget his name, Don. Um, uh, sorry to whoever. Dolph Kleiman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, apparently he said. And, you know, again, I mean, reports lately over the past I'm year, his biggest I, enemy. Yeah. But apparently the Raiders are just not interested. So I don't know. I, I, I really I really think the Jets have a, a genuine shot at this. I, I really do. Well, they definitely do. And again, I'm going to I sound like I'm the guy who's anti Rogers. I just know how the Jets like work or I kind of understand that. Look, this would be the this would obviously be the biggest move in Jet history. Agreed. Yeah, he'd be your best player in franchise history. Yeah, he instantly instantly comes in as your best player. And you have to think that the Jets are telling him this, too. Like, like you know, he can go to, you know, X franchise and he's going to be in the shadows of so-and-so because that person won a, won a Super Bowl there. I mean, he's going to be in the shadow of, like, who, Joe Namath here? He's leaps and yeah. bounds better than Joe Namath. And by the way, this isn't important or whatever. Like, give him the number 12. What are we doing here? Yeah, I agree. The, I can't stand it. That's even Joe a factor. Like, in baseball, it's different because I feel like, like, okay, imagine a Yankee wore number two or three or really any single-digit number. It's kind of like the lore of retired numbers in baseball is different. But, I mean, someone someone granted Peyton permission to wear 18 for the Broncos, and it was some quarterback, you know, from, like, the 1200s or whatever. Who cares? But <laughs> Did anyway, you just kill Joe Namath? <laughs> you definitely just killed Joe Namath. Uh, that was he's wild. killing himself. I uh, uh, look. I'm 
I'm not the biggest fan of Joe Namath nowadays. Well, well, <laughs> I hear nowadays. I hear his spots, but yeah. I mean, I just hear his oh. spots on like the K show and stuff, and I <laughs> instantly hit mute. I can't yeah. stand oh, man. I, I loved him back in the seventies when he was playing, man. I can't stand him now. Yeah, so did my grandpa. Yeah, but uh, look, I think that the, if the Jets let's let's say that let's take it two steps forward. If the Jets get Rodgers, what's your expectation? Or not even expectation. What's your disaster? I'll say. I know you love disaster. I think your expectation, I'll give you both, is you're a surefire playoff team. Um, I think you're a contender. And you know what? If they don't win anything, if they don't win a Super Bowl, you know what? I'll even go as far as to say if they don't go to an AFC championship game and maybe they get beat by a Burrow or an Allen or a Mahomes, I, I just think if you're the Jets, and how many years has it been since the playoffs? 12, 13 years, which is the longest drought in the NFL. I don't know. You were there, weren't for two, you? For two years, sign me up for being a contender, being competitive, and not. I don't want to watch the offense that I used to watch. I would, I would sign up for being a contender for two seasons. Your disaster is that there's two disasters, that health is an issue and you wind up with Zach Wilson or something like that. And the other, the other disaster would be you don't do anything in year one. And then Roger says, eh, I'm good. I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll hang it up. That's, that's <laughs> your disaster. That would be, that would be something if he just came here, made the jets. Tra- I mean, do you think that's, it's kind of interesting that you say that and I laugh at it, but it's like not funny that that's very, very realistically a possibility where he yeah. comes to New York. Let's just say he's like, this media sucks. This stadium sucks. This team, you know, God forbid the team sucks on top of that. And he says, I'm good. But I'm even, okay. If, even, <laughs> if none, even if none of that happens, he, we do this pony show every offseason with Aaron Rodgers. So it's like, uh, like I'm already signing up for Rodgers knowing that next offseason I'm going to have to, like, worry. You know what I mean? A, a little bit, for sure, yeah. Like, I think that, uh, to me, my, I mean, you can call me a pessimist, but I think this, just like the way Rodgers is and – let me let me let me put it this way. If if the whole like, you know, not in the least political way possible, the whole, you know, I've been uh, what is he? What was his wording? Uh, vaccinated, not vaccinated. It was uh, immunized. The yeah. whole immunized thing. If that happened in New York while he was playing in New York, it would be the biggest story in the world. Not not that it wasn't, but people would they would it would be I'm saying it just be amplified times 10. Well, I don't know. The, I mean, he won the MVP that year. Like, do you think we'd that's, really care? That's fine. That, that's that's fine. But again, he won the MVP that year, and then now look where he is, where the team doesn't even want him back. Well, that's for all. I mean, I feel like I think I'm, I'm saying that there's, reasons. but I'm saying that there. I think that's a product of that's partially a product or a ripple effect of stuff like that. And I think that if you come to New York, those ripple effects are only going to get bigger. Oh, I mean, so yeah, I think. 100%. That that's all. That's really all I'm saying. I, am I speaking in exaggeration when I say it'd be the biggest story in the world? Yes, but I think it, it would just kind of it just amp- playing in New York amplifies things times ten. And he, again, he's played in Wisconsin his whole life, right? He's won MVPs, but you know he's going home. He's not going out in this in this in New York City and you know shutting down bars and restaurants and stuff when he walks in. <laughs> he's yeah. he's going out in the middle of you know Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 
You know, yeah. like it's, it's a big, it's a totally different world over here, to be quite honest. Isn't it crazy that the NFL is just such a monop- monster monopoly that you could play in Wisconsin your whole life and still be just like one of the biggest stars in the country? Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, that's like this. We'll get to the NBA soon, but same thing with Giannis. I always thought. I was like, in the back of my mind, and this is like really, really just like me thinking too deep, probably on like a day where there's like no basketball, no football, no baseball, no hockey, nothing. But to me, it's almost like uh, if you see like Giannis and like the Bucks is like this, you know, year in, year out contender in Wisconsin. Don't you think Aaron Rodgers would kind of like feel some sort of like, okay, let's make this a sports town. Like, let's let's do this. Like, let's have a successful football team. Let's have a successful basketball team. And I think that, like, you know, he – to me, the fact that I've seen – I think I've seen him at a couple Bucks games in the playoffs. Well, blah, he, blah, he's, blah, a, he's, like, a min, he's a minority owner of the Bucks. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying, okay. like, in New that. York, like, you you go to the Knicks – like, you, the Knicks game, right? The Knicks just won 9 of 10. Every night there's a Giant, there's a Jet. There, You know, it seems like there's a lot yeah. of, like, camaraderie between there. And I think that – There's Dua Lipa. There's Dua Lipa, as seen on my Instagram story, uh, you know. <laughs> you posted that hours after they lost. That I, I thought it was, I, I saw it, because I, I saw it and I sent it, like, to different people on Instagram. And then, like, I was like, I was like, what's the best way to, like, cope with this? And just, like, I didn't want to, obviously not going to post the final score. It was embarrassing. But I was like, I'll just post Dua Lipa. Maybe that'll, you know, wake up tomorrow morning, look at it and be like, oh, Dua Lipa was at the game. That was the main story. Not the fact that they blew a 20-point lead. The levitating transition that we hit before we go into the NBA is going to be sick. Yeah, uh, can't wait. Uh, but yeah, let's let's get right into the NBA because now that we're kind of well, 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 unintentionally well, segued well, into g- it. G- g- give me a second. Right. Give me a second. Give me a second. All right, not ready for levitating just give yet. Second. Give me a second. Give me your Aaron Rodgers to the Jets percentage probability. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick at sixty forty. He's a Jet. I just think it makes too much sense. I, I I just don't think he has a home in Green Bay anymore. I, it makes too much sense for it to not happen to me. If he's going to continue to play, which it seems like he is, I'm going to say 60% Aaron Rodgers winds up a New York Jet. Uh, I'm going to say, I'll say, 50, this is what I'll say. I'll say 50% Jets, 50% field. You kind of sounded like a minute ago that you really thought it wasn't going to happen, though, I feel like. N- no, well, I think that my inkling is that Okay, it's 50-50. Do I think that there's something to them flying out and, and meeting with him? And do I think that there's something to, you know, him meeting with them? I think it's a little bit different. Uh, yes, I do think that there's definitely something to that. And there's definitely numerous reports that, you know, link the Jets to having in-depth conversation with Rodgers. Like you said, mentioning compensation with the Packers. But again, I just can't get over the fact that this I've seen this play out so much where the Jets just fall on their face. And I and let me say this, maybe this might rationalize it more. It would take almost like Aaron Rodgers whispering in my ear and telling me he's going to the Jets for me yeah. to put that over fifty percent. Is that. kind of what I'm saying? I got so you. that's right. uh, that that's where I'm fifty fifty. But what about right. you? I I, I already sixty forty. Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk about the uh, the best team in New York. The Knicks. I got you. But 
the New York Knicks, I can't say much more about them, honestly. They're really terrible loss last night. Let's just get right past that. We'll, we'll get that out of the way. Yeah. They, like you said, they took their foot off the gas for sure. Uh, they let the they let the Hornets hang around and uh, really just an abysmal Hornets team. I mean, uh, I Kelly Oubre, I guess, was was a, a big piece of that comeback. You know, Terry Rozier heated up in the third quarter, I think, a little bit, kind of let them hang around. Uh, no Brunson again. Obviously, that hurts. But again, you just beat the Celtics without Brunson in overtime in a game where you looked every bit in equal to the Celtics. Uh, I think that this Knicks team is I've been very critical of Tom Thibodeau this whole year. Um, I'm still going to remain my reserve in the, in my statement of I'm very curious to see how this Knicks team plays in the playoffs. Now that I'm kind of putting them in as a shoe in for the playoffs, uh, it would be talk about embarrassing if they, if they don't make the playoffs at this point, or, you know, even if they somehow fall off or this is the beginning of the end of this hot Knicks run, uh, that'll be I think Thibodeau won't survive that, but let's not even get to the the dark depths there. That's just me being, again, a pessimist again. Um, But the Knicks are playing team basketball. Everyone's heating up. Emmanuel quickly stepping in for Jalen Brunson the last couple games, playing like an absolute stud. Uh, You know, Quentin Grimes is progressing. Even R.J. Barrett had an amazing last couple games. Um, Uh. He played – R.J. Barrett played very well last night. And in the third quarter, they – Thibodeau went to him off the bench as the spark or kind of as his guy to lean on. Sure. Well, I, I get, well, last night I'm listening to the game on the radio cause I was busy and I mean, they went into half with what a 16 point lead and they wind up blowing it. And, um, towards that, the end of the game there, when they're kind of like, they're down three with like a couple minutes left at that point, I'm like, you know what? Just take the loss. Like you don't need to play overtime today. Let's not, let's not go that route. But, I, like, R.J. Barrett, sure, you, you look at his line, it was great, whatever. I, he missed a lot of shots, you know? It's kind of like on a night when you don't have Brunson and on a night where Randall doesn't have it, which, it, fine, you know, Randall's been great over this stretch. So, you know, if you're going to have one night where you're just kind of gassed and it's not there, that's fine. And R.J. has to be the guy. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't impressed. What was he? He was 10 of 24 from the field and one for seven from three. I, I don't know. Like, uh, I, he, I thought, he you know, just, he's a role player. That's what he has to be. I mean, you know. Yeah. And I think that, you know, he uh, 27 points, 10, 24, one of seven from three. Did he miss a lot of and six rebounds, four assists as well? Uh, I look his three point shooting has been uh, suspicious of, of late, even in this stretch. And they've kind of been winning despite of that, uh, been, even despite of uh, him kind of not progressing, I'd say. He's played pretty well of late, but uh, I think as an overall, you know, season, RJ's kind of, like you said, he's almost, he's better than a role player. Like, Josh Hart's a role player. He's better than a role player, but he's not an all-star. He's like a, he's like an average NBA player to me, a little bit above average. I know, but if you told me I have to have one player on the floor and it's Barrett or Josh Hart, I'm putting Josh Hart on the floor. So, like, yeah, like, sure, he's better and, and he's a little bit better than a role player, but... I don't know. I, I, on this team, I think that's kind of that's that's like what he boils down to. I feel like. Well, when I'm curious to see because I think that what happened last night and then what's happening in the last couple of games, I think that the Celtics when they played the Celtics, they just were firing on all cylinders. They had a career high for Emmanuel quickly. I think that the fact that Jalen Brunson was out of that game kind of made them change up their game a little bit, especially on offense. And I think that kind of threw the Celtics for a loop. I think it just you know playing a game and matchup wise and. 
again, it's a that was a Sunday primetime game. It's a huge game that that had playoff feel to it. And I think that again, like it, like I said, they they threw the Celtics for a loop, gave them some different looks. Uh, quickly get, makes the offense much different than Jalen Brunson does. So I think that that's what you can chalk that one up to. But again, would you be surprised? We're we're one shot away from the Knicks being 0-2 with Jalen Brunson out versus 1-1. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that Jalen Brunson, yeah, huge win against the Celtics, not taking anything away from them. But I think that it, probably if the Knicks are that as hot as they are with Jalen Brunson against the Celtics, they probably win that game handedly the way they were shooting. Yeah. So... <laughs> Speaking of the Celtics, I mean, like, I can't get enough of the Grant Williams clip. I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make them both. He's a, yeah, that's, him missing both those free throws was crazy. Yeah. But, but, you know, um, like, with this Knicks stretch, I mean, like, we talk about it all the time in the NBA when, you know, we talk about low management or we talk about, you know, like, regular season, not, ma- you know, it's not important. Like, these are, these are games where, like, you're beating, like, a Boston Celtic team a Miami team that are trying to win. Like they had Boston frustrated. Like you're getting these teams like at their, at their best. Like, I don't want to say at their best, but uh, these were not gimmies. Like the Knicks are beating these teams. Like, and and it's real. The Celtics were fully healthy when they played the Knicks and the Knicks were not. And the Knicks won in Boston. Yes. So uh, to me, that's an impressive win. And, and let me, let me say this, this might be a controversial statement, this might be, you know, whatever, but the Knicks are four and one against the Celtics this year. Bring me the Celtics in the playoffs. Man. I'll invite it. I'll it's invite it. It's a different. The, look, I, I agree. Small um, could you know five games. Obviously, a relatively small sample size. But look, I think the Knicks match up very well against the Celtics. I think Julius Randle uh, provides them some issues. They really don't have a four that can really guard him. Mitchell Robinson kind of nullifies Robert Williams. I just think they match up very, very well. They're long. They all play defense. And when you have two guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, you know, really in the end there, just a microcosm of the whole game, specifically the Celtic game, Jason Tatum, they draw up a play for Tatum to get the ball on the run like he like he has done multiple, multiple times this year in crunch time, passes it out to the corner to an Al Horford three. The Knicks will live with that shot every single time, every single time. And yep. you know that Tom Thibodeau is telling them that. He said he. I would. I would almost guarantee that Thibodeau went goes to that huddle on the last play and says they're going to give the ball to Tatum on a full sprint down the court. You're, and then we just want to make him get the ball out of his hands. They brought the double. Al Horford was wide open in the corner for three to win the game in overtime and missed. And I think that the if the Knicks, I think the Knicks kind of have the Celtics number. I do. Uh, every time that even when they lose, they go to overtime. Every one of these games is a close game. Do I am I like yearning to see the the Knicks play the Celtics in the playoffs? Am I like begging for that to happen? No, but I think that if they do, if that does happen, I I can I'll give the Knicks a puncher's chance to win that series. I really will. Oh, I'll give you that. Yeah, I agree with that. And but for the Bucks, a little different. I think the Bucks pose a different problem. But other than the Bucks, uh, who I mean, who's who would you say is handily beating the Knicks in the East? Well, I'll give you this. I'm gonna I'm gonna go down. I'm gonna go down a list, and I and I'll, listen. A lot of these teams, the Knicks obviously aren't going to see in a playoff series. Um, but I, I'm gonna give you a team. You tell me the winner of the series and in how many games, just off the dome. I don't want you to sit here and think about each one for too long. Yep, yeah, yeah, I just have the standings in front of me. It's all. I'm and by at. the way, I was so close to going to that game in Miami. So close. I even I even messaged our friend John. I was like, because I saw he was in Miami. I was like, you going tonight? He was like, yeah. 
And I'm like, oh, the game starts in two hours. I'm like an hour and a half away. Do I want to do this? And I, I was like, didn't you have know. some like some weirdo erotic met meet up with David Wright or something? Yeah, I David Wright couldn't get enough of me. He wouldn't like he wouldn't leave me alone. That's like so anywhere hard. I went, anywhere I went, standing right there. Um, yeah, I, I I saw him after a, after a wedding, and uh, I, I got to meet Mister David Wright. Which was did he have any me. comments about the pod? Yeah, he was like, "Oh man, I've been I'm trying to do a weekly," and I was like, "Yeah, we're good right now." Yeah, you know, I, I think we're we don't we don't need him. Like, what are you going to talk about? Oh yeah, the Mets look good this year. Well, we'll we'll see what he's doing in during baseball season. Maybe we'll give him yeah. a weekly, you know, five minute. Yeah, but anyway, when but I go saw ahead. Julia, give me your when Knicks. I Julia, uh, when I saw Randall hit that game winner, I was like, oh, I wish I went. All right, I'm yeah, gonna, I wish I'm gonna David go, was here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go down the list. I'm gonna <laughs> I go call down him Dave. the list. I'm gonna go down the list. Milwaukee. <laughs> uh, no, they they can't beat them in a series. I know, but I want the amount of games. They beat them in five. I give the Knicks a gentleman sweep. All right, uh, Boston. We kind of went over it, Boston. Oh, well, I'll say this. I, I think the Celtics do beat the Knicks in a series. But just given what how the Knicks play them, I'll say Celtics in seven. Make it a problem. That's fair. I would say Celtics in six, seven. Uh, this is the one I've been wanting to ask you because we kind of almost had a disagreement about it the other night. Uh, Philadelphia. I'm not sold on Philadelphia, and I'll say this. Embiid's unbelievable. Harden is, uh, you know, he goes has his flashes, but he's really just a glorified facilitator at this point in his career. He faci- he literally, his job is pick and roll with Embiid. Uh, and I think that, look, Mitchell Robinson's a great defender, but Embiid holds, is is much, needs much more than just a great defender to, to defend him. I don't think Harden does, though. I think you can put a guy like Emmanuel quickly or put a guy like Quentin Grimes to just really just shadow hard in the entire game and really frustrate him, especially the way that Jalen Brunson plays and how physical he is getting into people's bodies. Really, like, you know, the Knicks are a very physical team, and I think that if there's one thing that the, the 76ers do not play, like, play well against, they play a physical game because of Embiid. But I think that the rest of their team outside of Embiid doesn't really bode well for physical basketball. Got like guys like Harden. I think I've seen Harden get beat up in the playoffs multiple, multiple years. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, again, I'm not going to be the biased Nick fan that says that they're, you know, they're handedly better than the 76ers, but I really do think the Knicks could beat the 76ers in a series. I really do. Right. So, so give me your confident final answer. Go, come on, uh, pick the Knicks. Give, give I'll just, Nick. I'm just, I'll say Knicks in seven. All right. I have three more for you. Now here's your kind of as it as it stands right now your de facto uh, matchup here, uh, Knicks legend Donovan Mitchell and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I, like uh, I think I don't. I yeah, I like the Knicks in that series because for a couple reasons. To me, I think that this Cavaliers team is definitely a good team, but I think they're going to need some some reconfiguring uh, and maybe a whole off season together to kind of really get their team right or really to be a contender level. Um, they're like, I, to me, they're really eye and eye with the Knicks. They have two good guards, uh, Knicks, the Knicks two, you know, quickly Brunson, very, very good matchup with Garland and, uh, Donovan Mitchell. And then down low, they have Evan Mobley. Who's a, you know, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, stud defenders. You know, I think Evan Mobley poses a great matchup for Julius Randle. He's long. He can defend him. I think it's again, but I think that he, if I'm getting really into the pieces of each of these teams, I think I like the Knicks, the Knicks in that series for sure. I, I even might even like them in six. 
right. Uh, and here, I'll say this too. For for all the people that say that, you know, that Donovan Mitchell is in a closer, or Donovan Mitchell is a closer, or the closer that the Knicks needed, I'm almost at the point where I think Jalen Brunson is that guy. Like, I, I'm almost putting him in the same elk as a Donovan Mitchell, where he's I, like a B-level, he's like a B-level star. I would agree with you. So, right. I, uh, to, to me, to me, it's why not? Yeah, uh, two more. Brooklyn. Yeah, they smoke them. The Nets aren't ready. Yeah, Knicks in five. Yeah, no, um, yeah, I, th- I think they win that handedly. All right, and now Miami. Miami's interesting because they have the pedigree. They have the guys. They just, for whatever reason, haven't gotten to, you know, settling down. And this might seem crazy, but I think they're a, a much more difficult matchup for the Knicks than the Cavaliers are. I, I just do. I, I think that they have – I do too. They have a, a, they have a lot of three-point shooting, albeit very up and down this whole season. But I think if you catch the the Heat on a good day, I'll say, that's a really, really difficult matchup. Again, the Heat are have a unbelievable coaching staff, arguably with, uh, one of the better ones in all of the NBA. Uh, their roster top to bottom is full with guys that uh, are kind of, kind of play two different positions. A lot of guys that are point guard, shooting guard, shooting guard, small forward, small forward, power forward. Got a lot of just athletes and dogs on that team and – uh, I think, you know, going to Miami, Miami against New York, huge marquee matchup in it would be for the NBA ratings in the playoffs. I think that uh, they're tried and true. They were just there in the in the bubble. They got pretty far the heat. I think they're still a good team. They just underperformed a little bit this year. Um, I wouldn't want to see the heat. But, you know, just for the sake of the pod, I think the Knicks beat them in a series still. I'll even say seven there with the Knicks. All right. And, and just for fun, uh, if they ever got the chance to avenge that series loss against Atlanta. I, I think the Knicks, are they, they clear them now. The, yeah, the, the Hawks don't want to see the Knicks in the playoffs. No. And I, and I hope, I hope they do. Yep. Because I think that there's some sour, there's definitely some sour taste in, in the Knicks' mouth after that, uh, you know, a couple years ago. Yep. But, uh, and I, every time they, it's, an, it's honestly like a, I think it's been a little like a micro rivalry a little bit, but now with Trey Young and, you know, everything that's that's gone on there. They fire Nate McMillan. Uh, I mean, they're actually playing not bad basketball since the firing, but I, I think there's there's so much bigger uh, bigger stories in that series than the, story, than the series itself. And I think I, I take the Knicks in, I'll say six. I think that Trey Young could probably win them a game or two. Yep. But right. that's it. Yep. So uh, when are the Knicks back in action here? Um, the Knicks are back in action uh it's Wednesday afternoon. We're recording this Thursday at 10 o'clock West Coast TNT game against the Kings. Two teams that, to, to be quite honest with you, I think the Knicks are like the, the Kings of the East. Not, not, in, not saying they are the Kings of the East, but they are the Sacramento Kings <laughs> of the East. Uh, that's gonna, I can't wait for the Knicks to lose in some random you know Kings podcast to, to quote me on that and say, oh, the Knicks are not the Kings of the East. <laughs> Uh, but Knicks have a tough schedule coming up. They have the yeah. the Kings, then the Clippers, then the Lakers, then the Blazers, then the Nuggets, Timberwolves, Heat. This is a big. Uh, and then they have a little bit of a lull with the Magic and the and the Rockets. But uh, th- it's put up or shut up time. I think that you know get a get a win here against the Kings. I think you can definitely beat the Kings, and then I I give them very small chance to beat the Clippers. But and then again this Sunday against the Lakers, nine p.m. That's a very winnable game for the Knicks, especially without LeBron James playing in that game. Most, yeah. you know, almost definitely. 
Well, you know, it, it's it's been a tough road for the Knicks. Like the schedule's been kind of tough, and and they've they've shined. It would have been nice yeah. to get. It would have been nice to get an extra day off here before they have to head out west. I mean, you know. So the problem the problem is the they're about to play people that are just as hungry for wins as they are. Like the the Kings, obviously they're high in the standings, but they almost you know they're thirty eight and twenty six. Knicks are thirty nine twenty eight. They kind of want to keep themselves at at you know a home court advantage a little bit that yeah, they but, have reason to win the Clippers yeah, but, too, they, they, but they've kind of been playing teams that are hungry for like, you, you can't tell me that Boston wasn't like, all right, enough is enough. Like let's beat this Nick team tonight. Sure, no, for sure. The Celtic game I'll give you, but other than that, like the heat are, uh, the heat are kind of just like in, in no man's land. I think they've just accepted the fact that they're not going to have home court and they're just going to try and kind of float for the rest of the year. Right. Uh, the Nets, I think they're just kind of out there just running a lot of the time. I yeah. was high on them. I think they, they have a promising future. I thought the Durant and Kyrie deal was actually whatever they got in return was a good return for them. Uh, but then, you know, the I just think that the Knicks have they played the Celtics without Jalen Brown. They beat him. Uh, they beat them. They beat the Pelicans, Wizards, Hawks. Again, another floater. Nets, Jazz have have cooled down. And then their last loss on February 10th, the 76ers. A hungry team. Uh, they again another team that wants to stay in the, at the top there. So, uh, look, I think the Knicks can easily go. Let's see what's. I guess this is how we'll end it. So they have Kings, Clippers, Lakers, Blazers, Nuggets. That let's just take those first five games. What sh- what do you expect their record to be, and what would you be like not happy with their record being in those five games? Um. Um. Got to go three and two in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say three and two. I'd be elated with four and one, and obviously anything worse than three and two, um, you, you're pretty disappointed. Yeah, I think two and three. I think after those five games, the storyline is the Knicks are just hot over that stretch. Yes, that's what I think the storyline is. So uh, much more to get to. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to add to the Knicks or anything? No, I don't think so. I mean, we we've been saying we're gonna do it. Uh, we'll do it soon. I mean, we have to have just a, a humongous uh, major league baseball uh, season preview. So maybe yeah, next week we'll get to that soon enough. Yep. But uh, yeah. Uh, as as always, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, appreciate it. All as always, uh, thank you for all the you know follows and engagement. Uh, stay tuned for our uh, Super Bowl giveaway. We're gonna get that out. Uh, yep. In before baseball season starts as well, more that, details be with to come. Our, uh, that'll probably be with our preview there. Yeah, so just stay tuned for the baseball pod, uh, and then of course, if Rogers, you know, pulls the trigger and signs with the Jets, we will be followed not too, uh, yeah. not too soon after that. So I'll thanks for listening. And, yeah, in studio possibly. <laughs> and uh, thank you for listening. Uh, have a good one, all. <laughs>